Every child has talents. Some you might not see today, but they're there, rest assured. One of the many jobs you have as a parent is to recognize those interests and talents and maximize your child's chance of capitalizing on them. In today's podcast, I'm going to get very personal and show you how this worked out in my life with the hopes that my story may be helpful to your family. Welcome to Portable Practical Pediatrics, a podcast for parents and families, a place dedicated to children and their well-being. And now, direct from Studio 1E in Charlotte, North Carolina, here's your host, Dr. Paul Smolin. I was born into a middle-class family, being the third of four children. I was the only boy, however, which definitely worked to my disadvantage in my early years, as you're about to see. I also had the poor fortune of being born late in the calendar year and starting first grade at four years of age. Another strike against my success. My two sisters, however, were excellent students and made getting great grades look easy. Of course, each year when I encountered many of the same teachers that my sisters had had, I would get the comment, oh, you are Peggy and Sally's brother. Well, I learned to recognize that that comment really meant we will be expecting big things from you academically. You have big shoes to fill. Unfortunately, my feet were much smaller than theirs, as I quickly found out. My elementary years were filled with academic angst. I passed each year with acceptable grades, but with many struggles. My reading was particularly troublesome, and some of my worst memories of school were reading aloud in front of the class, a practice that was very in vogue during my childhood. I think the teachers thought that if they humiliated me enough, my reading would improve. Well, unfortunately, this strategy didn't work for me. It just gave me great anxiety about public speaking and reading. I am sure that in today's world, I would have had a diagnosis like dyslexia or a reading disorder, but not in the 1950s. All it got me then was daily humiliation. In addition to having difficulty reading, I recall a lot of talk about my fidgeting and having trouble sitting still. My father seemed to be particularly troubled by this fidgety trait of mine to the point that he offered me $5 if I could sit totally still for one minute without moving. $5. That's the equivalent of $45 in today's world. Sadly, I never got that $5. No, my elementary story sounds a lot like a child who would carry a diagnosis of ADHD and a reading disorder in today's world. But that was elementary school. I started off middle school grouping with the lowest achieving students, section one out of a total of 14 sections. Rock bottom. But something happened during the summer of my seventh year grade, I discovered that my house was full of interesting books, and my reading was getting good enough that I could actually read and understand them. Thank goodness my parents bought books. James Michener, Kurt Vonnegut, Philip Roth started to become my friends. 
and my math skills had always been good, but now when I hit the eighth grade, my reading skills were starting to catch up. By ninth grade, I was actually taking English classes with the big dogs, the brainiacs in my school. By the time I finished high school, I was taking many of the advanced classes, especially in sciences. I had achieved a lot of catching up, but I was by no means at the top of my class. I still wasn't my sister's, but I was closing in. Then came the transition to college. I never forget my high school counselor talking to me about my college choice, advising me not to go to Duke University, even though I had been admitted. He bluntly told me I would fail. The reality was that I had probably been admitted because I had been the captain of my high school tennis team and we had been state champions during my tenure. I had a lot of grit on a court and a wonderful backhand. Fortunately, I chose to ignore my college counselor's advice and matriculate with all these class valedictorians I called my classmates at Duke. But I knew I had a secret weapon. My early academic difficulties had taught me to work harder than everyone around me. This trait compensated for a lot of my deficiencies. At the tender age of 17, I had learned that hard work is more important than innate intelligence. I decided I was up for the challenge. That was my plan anyway, and it worked. I had to drop tennis after two years because it added too many demands on my time, and I was often in the library on Friday and Saturday nights until it closed. But I did it. I graduated with high honors and was admitted to medical school, a dream that many of my valedictorian classmates never achieved, I might add. So how did the sixth grader who could barely read, that would be me, manage to garner this type of life success? Well, I'll tell you. First, my parents were always there for me. They believed in me and didn't let the school put limits on me. When I didn't do well, they just told me to try harder. I wasn't belittled or punished by them, just held to a high standard and encouraged to work harder. Secondly, my parents recognized some of my talents that were not academic and facilitated opportunities for me to pursue these activities. My father recognized that I had good eye-hand coordination, and foot speed, so he thought tennis could be my ticket. Of course, he was right. Tennis opened up a lot of doors for me in my life, and for that I am very grateful. And for my mother, she recognized that I had an artistic side. She encouraged me to try photography as a hobby, helping me build a dark room and giving me enough money to buy a used camera. This definitely changed my life. And thirdly, my parents taught me that failing was okay as long as you learned from your failures and did your best. They definitely didn't shield me from the pain of failures, and for that, I am very grateful. My father would always tell me, quote, the best I could possibly be at whatever I chose to be. Go for the best, end of quote. His advice has served me well. So how can my story help your parenting journey achieve great things? Do what my parents did for me. Encourage and encourage and encourage. Hold your children to the highest standards that you think they can achieve and help them pursue their interests and talents beyond academics. And if their academics are not up to par, get them help and be patient. Cognitive development is not a linear affair. 
people don't reach their peak cognitive ability until about age 35 years of age. And many, like me, mature more slowly. A struggling child has plenty of time to grow and improve and always demand their best work. But remember that the sting of failure is your children's best teacher and motivator. I believe that ultimately your children's life success will come down to two things, learning to enjoy working hard and learning to be motivated by their failures, both skills that you can nurture in your children today. If you value the information and perspectives you get from Portable Practical Pediatrics, consider taking a moment to rate it where you get your podcasts. And your comments are welcome on the blog. This is Doc Smo, hoping you and your family have a great holiday season that's full of joy. Until next time. I would like to thank the following people for their assistance in the production of this podcast. Dr. David Jaffe, the voice of the introduction. Robert Beezer, the composer-arranger of the intro music. Anne Gesner, my wonderful content editor. Benjamin Smolin and Jerome Moof, the talented musicians who produced this delightful theme music. Sarah Smolin and Nathaniel Horlick for their digital wizardry. And Wendy Smolin Esquire, and Seth, the Rocket Man Barrister Jaffe, for their inspirational guidance. Thanks, guys. By listening to this podcast, you agree to all of the terms and conditions found at the docsmo.com website. This docsmo.com podcast is informational only. Dr. Smolin does not diagnose, treat, or offer specific medical advice for your child. For specific medical advice regarding your child, consult his or her health care provider.